You're listening to the Ones Ready Podcast, a team of Air Force Special Operators forged in combat with over 70 years of combined operational experience, as well as a decade of selection instructor experience. If you're tired of settling and you want to do something you truly believe in, you're in the right place. Now here's your host, PJ Team Leader, former Indoc Instructor Supervisor, Entrepreneur, and Physician Assistant Student, Brian Silva. What's happening, everybody? Brian Silva for the Ones Ready Podcast. Thanks again for joining us in the team room. Today, we have another special guest for you, and we're going to answer a question that we get almost on the daily. And that question is, what do you guys do after you're done being a PJ, CCT, SR, TACP? What do guys typically end up doing with their lives? And what does it look like to progress through those kind of phases and stuff? So we have Master Sergeant John Courtright. He's here to talk to you guys about um, everything that we've went through. We were in PA school together, so um, you know we went through all those little trials, and we're about to graduate uh, in a couple weeks here. So hooray! That's super you're exciting. To, you're yeah. gonna need to change your Instagram title to uh, PA Astronaut Brian Silva. PA Astronaut Doctor. You'll, you'll get to the scientist. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. You'll, yeah. you'll get to the other stuff. It'll happen. You need to figure <laughs> out how we get into Space Force first of all. Listen, yeah, I'm no. already in. If you guys just want to carpool, it'll make it a lot easier on the environment. <laughs> yeah, first PA Space Force in the Space Force. All right, so John Courtright, um, like I said, he's here to talk to you guys about all the stuff that he's gone through and that we're going through right now and the graduation and what he's planning on doing for future. So um, stick around, check that out. But first, I want to thank you guys again for listening to us. Uh, make sure that you like, subscribe, go check out um, on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. If you're enjoying the show, or if there are things that you guys want us to talk about specifically, then go ahead and you can send us an uh, email, info at onesready.com, or you can go down to our website, scroll to the bottom and hit us up. So we always want to hear from you guys. We're here for you. So also we want to say thank you to um, Everly Stock, um, Strike Force Energy and Alpha Brew Coffee Company. You guys can still use the discount codes. We're not making any money from any of that stuff, but we want to partner with people that um, offer you guys good merchandise, good energy drinks, and anything like that. If you know anybody that wants to be involved and um, wants to give back to the community, then hit us up. All right. So let's get into John here. Um, like I said, we've uh, known each other through PA school, sat in the back of the classroom as we were getting droned on lecture after lecture. Um, and then we're kind of finishing up that phase of our life as two and a half years. And prior to that, he has a lot of experience in um, special tactics, and he's going to talk a little bit about that. So, John, if you don't mind, just introduce yourself and tell the people out there a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Well, first of all, congrats, Brian. Uh, almost there. Light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so, yeah, my name is John Courtright. I've been um, in the Air Force for uh, close to 18 years. Um, it'll be, I'll hit 18 this summer. Um, and been a PJ for most of that time until I started PA school about two and a half years ago. So, um, kind of my path right out of college or right out of high school, I'd say is, uh, went to college and, uh, completely different life, uh, studied Japanese, wanted to go to Japan and finish college, went to Japan and, uh, studied or sorry, taught English there for a while for about two years, but I always kind of had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to do, you know, something in special operations, some kind of commando mission, something like that. Um, and there was some information out there on the internet about, you know, what different services had, but not a whole lot. Um, but I'd also always kind of had an interest in medicine. So, uh, pararescue was kind of at the top of my list for things I want to do. And, you know, I, I realized that I was like getting a little bit older and I just needed to do it. So, Came back to the U.S. Um, and well, then start. Let, let me ahead. pause you. How, how old were you talking? Like when you said you were getting a little bit older, like because we get that question a lot, like how old right. is too old? When's your prime? How old were you? Yeah. So um, when I came back to the U.S., I was I just turned 25 um, and I just happened to come back like I think it was like September 7th or 8th or something like that, 2001. Um, so I already had in, the, in my mind that like I was coming back to join the military and I'd been, you know, training up with whatever information I could find on the internet about um, joining pararescue. So then of course, September 11th happened, started talking to a recruiter and, you know, probably a lot of people think in my mind, it was like, okay, I'm going to go talk to the recruiter 
and they'll be like, all right, show up on Monday, you're shipping out. But I didn't realize it was going to be quite a process to actually join the Air Force and <laughs> yeah. like even even get a pass test set up. I mean, I, yeah. I would go talk <laughs> that, to the recruiter and be like, hey, I just I need to do this pass test, you know, it, before I even join. Because at that time, it was called GTEP. I don't know what it's called now, but like, yeah, like yeah. you yeah. get a guaranteed spot for training. Yep. Um, and they're like, well, you know, are you sure you can pass it? Because we don't really we've had a lot of people show up who want to take the pass test and then they show up and fail it. So like, we're not going to waste our time if you're not positive, you can pass it. Um, and then that recruiter couldn't do it anyway. Long story short, it took a while to set that <laughs> up and then actually get a date to go. So it took a, probably almost eight months from when I got back, but that whole time I was training to actually go to BMT. Uh, so I went to BMT and, um, what was it? Well, it was more than eight months then now I think about it. So um, August 2002 is when I started BMT. And then, you know, six weeks later started in that. Um, so through the pipeline, uh, graduated the apprentice course um, with uh, some other guys you've had on the podcast with McKenzie and some other guys. Yeah, you're J-Mac, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we missed each other by, I mean at indoc like we missed each other the first time by about two months and then uh-huh. uh circled circled back and found my way back in but it's it's funny i'm like man our timelines are, are lining up almost completely you were a little bit older uh so but it's almost exactly the same and he could speak japanese too well yeah know. and he was yeah. like worldly and probably not an emotionally <laughs> immature douchebag and probably liked by his team listen there's other differences i'm just saying there are some some similarities too Brian. hair i mean that's hair, also obviously. check out the youtube yeah, but, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely in the minority like I get asked that all the time. Like, well, how, how are you a PJ with that hair? Uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't the one, one of the ones who was basically in tears at Indoc when we had to shave our heads. To, they had to. He has fantastic eyebrows for all I, you guys listening. Yeah, the eyebrows are on point. Did this get microbladed? No, I was, uh, yeah, I was definitely one of the guys. I still cry about that Indoc moment uh, where I got my head shaved, but it, it grew back almost immediately, so it was pretty good. That's good. That's good. Um, so finished, uh, the apprentice course in 2004, uh, December, 2004 It's when I graduated. Um, and then my first time was, uh, at the rescue squadron in Okinawa, uh, which is my first choice. Wanted to get, you know, I was pumped cause I got to get back to Japan and, um, I got married a week, no, a week after graduation. Um, so a lot of things happened at the same time. I met my wife in Albuquerque while I was there training. Um, so we moved to Okinawa. I was there for four years. Um, and, uh, got like my, I got like a pretty good, um, you know, kind of textbook dream PJ mission, uh, after being there for about a year as a team member, just going and picking up a pilot who ejected. It's like, check the box for, uh, doing the air force, PJ mission, um, did a, my first deployment from there to Iraq in 2007. Hold on. Um, let's pause. You, you did the act, you did the actual pilot pickup, the pilot pickup over. No water. way. Yep. No way. Water, really load slow load them up. Yep, <laughs> that's <out>. awesome. <laughs> it's, it's a crazy thing, but that's what we always say, right? Like, Hey, you know, you're there, like, you know, pararescue was there to recover down an injured air crew in austere and non-permissive environments. So it used to be, you know, kind of part of that mission statement, but Holy cow. I can't believe you actually picked up a no kidding pot. Did he, was it an ejection? Like he just ejected over the water and you guys went and got him. Yeah. So there's, um, the one or two F 15 squadrons there. And the, I mean, this, the pilot's super nice guy. Um, we, you know, stayed close for a while. Um, but basically he he's like, Hey, I can't really talk about what happened, but essentially I was flying along and mechanically everything went wrong. And he had about 10 to 15 seconds to make a decision that he was either going to get out or ride this thing into the ocean. Um, yeah. So then we got the call flew out. Sounds like you picked the right decision. Made the right decision <laughs> yeah, there. For sure. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So we got the call loaded up. Um, my team leader was Mike Flores. Um, if you guys don't know that name, he was killed in, um, 2010 in a crash. Uh, but yeah, we flew out. Um, and actually there's a, there's like a, uh, the Japanese coast guard is also kind of has some rescue responsibility out there. And there was, it was basically a race to get this guy. So there was like already a Japanese helicopter heading there. And fortunately our pilot just like 
made a beeline in for this guy and got us in a position where we can get in the water and, and pull him out. And he, he was great. Um, and then, uh, so that was a Tuesday and then we got, uh, they gave us incentive rides on that Friday, um, which was awesome to fly an <laughs> F-15. But the whole time I was like, wait a second, have they figured out why that last guy ejected? <laughs> I was like, is this a problem with all the guys? I mean, I'm hey guys, I'm noticing, I'm noticing a pattern that I really don't like here. Yeah. <laughs> it's people from ejecting from airplanes. Are you sure? Are you sure this is, uh, yeah. Anyway, so. But that was a cool experience. Um, and then, so yeah, deployed to Balad, uh, 2007. And this was before, if guys are familiar with like, um, some of the medevac stuff that PJs got into a little bit later. Um, so for us, it was a really slow deployment. I think we did two missions that were, um, both recoveries. Um, so getting towards the end of that deployment, I was, I was kind of thinking like, I mean, I love this job, but like, there's gotta be something that you know where i'm busier i'm doing more stuff um and so then a, a year later um basically i assessed and got selected for the 724th uh stg north carolina um and then we moved there and started the train up there at, and they have their own selection process in 2009 um and was there until i left for pa school in 2017 so about eight and a half years uh there in north carolina um and then yeah the last like brian said the last two and a half years have been uh first year and a half is like getting red powerpoints for eight hours a day and then the last year is i've been in california doing my clinical rotations and then yeah we are. so we get we get a ton of questions about people. I just want, we don't really know that much about it. We haven't been to those units and been assigned to those special mission units like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, so I just wanted to get your perspective and put it out there. You know, we always tell guys you should not really be thinking about like that as your end goal or anything like that right now. Focus on the training that's in front of you. So what, what advice would you give to people that are thinking about those kind of units like you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so and I think guys have talked about it on your other podcast too. Like I know J Mac was talking about like what it's like when you first, when you get to your first unit and you're like, man, I've been, I've been training for, you know, two and a half, three years to get here. And then you get there and realize like you really, you, you have some tools, but you really don't know a whole lot yet. Um, so there is, I think I went at a good time in my career is I had four years of solid, just like learning my job, like getting good at medicine, getting good, at all the skills that you need to be a good PJ. Cause that's, you know, if you're going to do go do something like that in your career, like you need to have a really solid foundation. There's no, there's no going there and like learning the basics, you know, you need, you, and towards the end of my time there, I was involved in selection more and you, you see guys who are great guys, but like, um, you know, they get up there and they're, they're not solid in some area, you know, they, they're not, they're not comfortable tying knots or ropes or setting up systems or, um, you know, they're solid dudes, but like their medicine skills aren't there or whatever it is. So like if, if people have those aspirations, eventually I'd say like, focus on what's in front of you, get through pipe, get through the pipeline, get through training and get to your unit and just be like a solid team member. And then, um, even team leader, uh, I think is valuable experience and, and I know like things are maybe different now than when I went through, but, um, if you can get a deployment or two also, uh, that's really helpful. Yeah. And I think that's the reason why a lot of people will ask us about the special mission units and about those things that are far down the road. And we always, like we were talking about before the podcast, our answer is almost always, Hey guys, we need to focus on, let's get assessment and selection done first. Then let's get through pre-dive, then maybe graduate the pipeline. But then you bring up a great point there's years of practice and years of honing those skills before you should really think about it. So I know we come off as dismissive sometimes on IG or, or on the YouTube and stuff, but it's great to hear it from the subject matter expert. Like, Hey, focus on one thing at a time. It's great to have that 50 meter, that hundred meter target of maybe that's a goal, but so many things can happen in that four to six years that it's going to take to get there. So yeah, man, that's, that that's great input. So speaking about your time there, like you spent a lot of time at that unit, a lot of times, 
you know, we sometimes uh, I've heard it affectionately referred to as the the North Carolina Air National Guard because you can go there and stay there forever. <laughs> I mean, it's not, but it's guys will go there and they'll never leave. So you spent a long time there. What was the impetus to get you to go and, and seek out that next challenge? Why did you want to leave and go be a PA? Um, so a couple things like I, I kind of I'd heard about the the, you know, the military PA program. Um, kind of earlier in my career and it sounded like something that I'd eventually want to do. Um, and just the timing worked out pretty well where I, I was kind of getting to the point where I was going to, I'd moved on to an instructor position and I was going to move on to kind of, um, you know, more senior enlisted duties and stuff like that. And I, I felt like I'd done, done as much as I could reasonably ask to do. Um, and it seemed like a good transition. Um, so just getting my, and I kind of had like a, a, a backup plan, like my plan A worked out, but my, my plan B, you know, it's like, Hey, I need to get these prereqs done. My prerequisites, the, all the stuff you have to do to get into PA school, like biology class, chemistry class, all that stuff. Um, I need to do that eventually anyway, if I want to go back to school, whether it's after I retire or something like that. So I just got that stuff done took probably five years of just, you know, doing one online class at a time in between deployments and stuff like that. And, uh, and then put in my application and got picked up. So, uh, you know, I figured it was a win-win if I got picked up, then great. Um, I get to go to PA school and if I don't, then great, I can stay here and, uh, <laughs> enjoy being an instructor and, you know, keep doing that. And, um, and also, you know, there's the, I know I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, but you guys just released a podcast about, you know, family life and that type of thing. And like, I deployed at least once a year for eight and a half years. Um, and not to mention training and those were kind of varying length deployments, but, um, you know, my wife jokes that like, we've, we've been married almost 16 years now. And the secret to our success is we really haven't spent that much time together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, so. you'd be surprised you'd be surprised how many people say that exact thing how, how do you guys make it work well i mean we're only together six months a year tops so um, it's been it's been pretty good <laughs> yeah um so all those things were factors um but yeah i mean it was it was kind of like i saw it it was you know it's not so much as like i want to leave what, what's my what's my opportunity to get out of here but um it's kind of like, Hey, I'd like to do this other thing as well at some point. Yeah. Um, it, it's what's the next challenge. Right. You know, we, we recruit specifically for people that are, that are seeking out that next challenge. And it's, I, I never meant to disparage. I never mean to disparage any other career field. Like man, nine lines are hard. Being an air traffic controller and being a JTAC is hard. Being a special reconnaissance, whatever it is that that is, that's probably, <laughs> that's probably pretty hard. Right. But man, you're talking about stopping. It's hard to say. Yeah, it is hard. To say. You're talking about stopping a human from dying and you're talking about, you know, giving hopefully, you know, medical care to somebody for the rest of their life. Like that's, that's a pretty big challenge. So, you know, but it's not that you wanted to leave. It's just that that's, that's a big challenge to seek out. I was right there with you, John, though. I was like, man, I could definitely continue being a PJ. I really love this job. And, eh, you know, the people that I'm around day to day is just awesome going on trips with guys and, you know, just in you're enjoying your life. And then, uh, you know, at some point or another, you're kind of like, all right, what am I going to do after the ride stops though? You know, after you stop being a PJ and you are like, okay, here's your duty 214. Thank you for your service. And what are you going to do after that? So that's kind of some of the things that went through my head also, um, when I was deciding for the PA school thing, but it, it is a tough decision to do. And, uh, I didn't feel as much pressure though to that I was going to be accepted into like PA school versus like going to Indoc. I was training my butt off for Indoc. I'd been studying like you did for three to four years and doing classes here and there. But you know, at the end of the day, it was like, okay, well, PA school that'd be awesome to do, but I'm not gonna hate being a PJ still. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think guys too. Um, you know, this may, may lead into some of the other things we were going to talk about, but, um, I think in every job guys kind of grad kind of gravitate towards different aspects of it. You know, like, I mean, I know a ton of PJs who hated medicine they would do, you know, whatever it took, to, <laughs> whatever it took to stay oh, yeah. current, but like they much prefer yeah. to, 
um, there's tactics guys there's jumping dudes there's guys that like to shoot there's got yeah 100 there's there's dudes that all they care about is you know you know free fall or, or tandem or you know those other air employment capabilities or some guys are ground tactics guys yeah right well i'm, I'm just sitting over here getting all amped up because as the <laughs> the resident non-planner you know I, I love how your story <laughs> plays out like hey i wanted to go to japan so i did it then this other opportunity happened and it's not like you didn't plan on doing other things and you know you had to work towards becoming a pa eventually um but it's not like you joined and you're like hey i'm gonna go uh, to this other unit or whatever you're just like hey one day i was like i could do more and the opportunity presented itself and you took the opportunity um so i really dig that because i mean correct me if i'm wrong but it didn't sound like you know you were over in japan and you're like this is how my air force career is going to lay out and at 18 years i'm going to become a pa after doing all these other things you just kind of you know worked hard um went where you felt like you needed to go and uh grabbed the opportunities when they came to you yeah absolutely um it it, i didn't have (laughs) i didn't have the long-range plan uh all that worked (laughs) out and um i know like i know you guys have gotten this question about you know this kind of being a stepping stone or like part of your plan to go do something else. And, um, I know Brian, like in the, uh, like some of the events and stuff we you've seen guys and I've seen guys there that I've done mm-hmm. with you are like, well, I think I'd like to, you know, be a PJ for a bit before I go to medical school or before I go to PA school or something like that. But like when I joined, that was, that was it. Like I was, that's all I want to do was be a PJ. And there was like, no, <laughs> there was no backup plan. Um, and it was only <laughs> exactly. later that Thank I kind you. of like heard, you know, heard about these other opportunities and like talk to guys who are either planning something similar or, um, or something like that. So, uh, I guess, you know, I was, I was going to say like when, when I first enlisted, I still remember like going to the recruiter and like, okay, you know, here's, here's your, your date for BMT. You've got your past test done. Um, just needed to pick like two or three other jobs. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, and they're like, <laughs> exactly. they're yeah. like, yeah, like I'm going to be a PJ. I'm going to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I thought like, we talked, I thought we talked about this. It was the whole point of getting the contract. Exactly. I'm going to go be a PJ. <laughs> exactly. Um, they're like, well, you know, you're, you're probably not going to make it. Uh, so <laughs> I don't, they may have not have said those exact words. Did you have like, the same hey. hair at that point too? <laughs> Listen, on. man, we got a checklist. On. Hair, <laughs> lack of a backup plan. You All right, man, you're out. Like the guy we're used to seeing. Yeah. Um, but they're like, hey, you know, a lot of people fail out, and if you do, you're probably gonna have to go do another job. So, what do you want it to be? <laughs> it's like nothing else <laughs> sounds good. Um, so, and I think you know, having that mindset is helpful. Uh, and and you, from the podcast I've seen, and, and Brian, I know you like your whole the whole model of like burn the boats like hey i'm 100% committed to this i'm going into this and there's like there's no room in my brain for hey if this doesn't work out um you know i could go do something else or i could go back to school or um and I, and i think that you know guys guys quit for different reasons right but like i think sometimes that creeps in you know they're like man this really sucks but like i could always go back and do that other thing that i was thinking about doing and and then i would have to be dealing with this and yeah i I connect with it too on on a cross training level because you know just like it's easy to be like hey i have this backup plan i can always flex i've already thought about it and that kind of that kind of helps but me as a cross trainee and i talked about this in the in the prior video too there were days where i was like hey i was I was pretty established in my other career field. Uh, I could have just stayed in there and kind of coasted and, and, and gone out with it. So, man, I, that definitely resonates with me is, is that backup plan or having that other option um, as opposed to, you know, truly, hey, let's go forward and, and we're going to do this thing. And it's my primary focus and failure may be an option, but it's not an option that I'm considering. So let's go. Right. Yeah, that's 100 percent where I was with uh, PA school. Also, you know, I, I, I was talking about, you know, how I wasn't as concerned about getting selected because I enjoyed being a PJ. But once I got into it, like, all right, family gear up because we're a hundred percent into this thing. You guys know that I'm going to have to be studying that, you know, it was the same way. I know you have the same thing because you have kids also, and obviously a wife and everything, but it's the same thing. It's like, all right, family gear up. Cause we're going to go on this ride together. It's going to be two and a half years of constantly studying and doing everything for my own kind of, uh, 
I don't know, symbolism is I sewed all the stuff onto my um, officer coat as soon as I got into PA school because I knew that I was going to um, graduate whenever I started. I wasn't going to, there was no going back. I wasn't going to go back to the career field as like, oh, what happened to PA school? You failed it. <laughs> you know, I couldn't be that person uh, that the, uh, the roast that arena did. would have been spicy so, in the team room. <laughs> I made sure I did every single thing that I can and, you know, forced myself to not have any route back. It's like, okay, I'm not going to be this anymore i'm going to be a pa and that's the end of it so that's kind of uh you know what i did going into pa school dude i still have like staff sergeant stripes on some of my uniforms just in case you know we have nothing in common (laughs) (laughs) absolutely the most terrifying uh trent and i are currently living in the world's most terrifying environment which is high line numbers and a long time until you pin on so senior airman love is about to make an unceremonious return it's coming (laughs) All right. So for um, th- those guys out there, um, I just want you to go over, do you think there are any specific traits that, um, you know, being a PJ has kind of instilled in you over the years that you're going to kind of reach back and pull out, like going through Indoc or going through whatever? Is there anything that you feel has helped you uh, to prepare for your future? Yeah. I mean, I th- it's kind of one of those questions of like, um, Cause I've been, I've been asked this before too, is like, is it, are there certain traits that you kind of develop throughout the training process or is it something that you have that makes you successful? Right. Like, um, like nature versus nurture kind of something mm-hmm. like that. But I mean, I think something that helped me along the way, uh, and I don't know, I mean, I don't know how to answer that question if it's whether it's like something I developed or something I had that allowed me to get through training successfully, but, um, just like being calm under pressure, um, like there's freaking out doesn't help anything. Um, and, and also, uh, something I think I did develop more later on in my career is just like my kind of default mode is like problem solving mode. Right. So like I immediately go into, like, all right, what are we going to do about this instead of like spending some time either complaining about it or thinking like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. It's like my brain switches pretty fast to like, okay, what, like what assets do we have? What can we leverage? How can we, um, make the situation better? And I think, you know, as we definitely helps as a PJ, obviously, but, um, you know, even in school and, and, you know, clinical rotations and stuff like that, like I've worked in the ER and people are like, that's, you don't really freak out about stuff. I mean, like we had, we just had a pretty bad patient and you didn't seem to like be concerned or not, not that I didn't care, but like, I wasn't <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> panicking, you know? Um, my favorite, uh, my favorite quote came from, a one of the trauma, like one of the top level trauma docs in the world was working at, at Baltimore shock trauma. I got to go through a rotation, but it was funny. He said the same thing that I've, I've taken from him the entire time. Somebody said something, you know, to the essence of like, Holy cow, that was literally a, a car accident, two trauma patients at the same time. And you were so calm. How'd you do it? And he's like, well, I mean, it wasn't really my emergency. I just had to manage it. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> uh, that's a, a, very, a very cold and calm way. But at that point, like you're just, you're in problem solving mode. W- what's in front of me? What can I fix? And like everybody else, it's their emergency. I'm going to help them through it. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard the same thing from, from some docs too. It's like, it does sound cold. It's like, well, it's their emergency. It's not mine, but um, it doesn't, you know, it's not going to help that patient for you to be also having an emergency. It's going to help them if you're calm and like you're, you're going through your mental checklist and you're solving problems and you're, you're doing what needs to be done to help them. Um, so I think that's been helpful. I mean, I, I think of like, uh, I had a friend who had a, like a pretty bad parachute malfunction. Um, and he was like all twisted up in his, his, his risers and stuff like that. And, and he got down, he was pretty shaken, but, um, you know, we were talking about what happened. Like he kind of was in an unstable position when he pulled and that caused all kinds of problems. And, and he was like, man, I was just, I was just solving whatever problem was in front of me until, you know, checking my altitude, but like just solving problems until I had a good canopy. And then, you know, then I just got to get back to the DZ. Like it's not, it wasn't like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Like his, his brain just switched and he's like, he's solving problems and, and then he can think about it later. Like what just happened. 
Yeah, I think those, what you were talking about, are two of the major personality traits that they're looking for in selection. And it's why we did, you know, like you were talking about, we did our little, our events with the Be a PJ thing, and we would have guys do the problem-solving team events. So you get a little bit of that social team aspect and see what everyone does while we're under pressure. And obviously the consequences are drops, underwaters, or whatever. Um, so there's a little bit of pressure there, and we see who's kind of calm throughout the situation and who like you said reverts back to problem solving mode figuring out what the what each individual team member has to do in order for all of them to be successful at whatever the mission is that we're putting in front of them now most of the time those are obviously benign we're not gonna you're not gonna see a car accident or anything unless something really bad happens um and that's not intentional from the program but um so yeah you got to stay calm and uh, that's a really important aspect and i just want to highlight that and I remember, I mean, thinking back to like in Indoc guys that I looked up to, um, and talking through kind of like, you know, what's your, what's your strategy, kind of what, what are you thinking about? And, um, and the guys that I saw, that I felt like were the most successful were the guys who were like, Hey man, I'm just, I'm just going to make it to lunch, you know, after lunch, then we're going to start training again. I'm going to make it to dinner. And then we're going to, you know, tomorrow we'll get up and do it again. It's, and the guys who were like, Oh my God, we're only on week six. It's what's going to happen week seven is like, I mean, you, you, <laughs> you guys know this, but, um, those are the guys who can kind of get inside their own head, I think. And, and even like specific events is like, I, I didn't even keep count of like, I mean, there were guys who were like, okay, we've done eight, 10 ups. Like they're probably only going to do a couple, like, no, you're just doing, <laughs> it's like, I was in survival oh, mode the whole time, you know, Classic. Like, just like, yeah, no pass. Yeah, one of the things that I would tell people on like rucks or whatever, because we'd go on like, hey, you're going to go on a six mile ruck or whatever. And then it'd be longer. And I would ask them like, hey, trainee, whoever, how many miles can you ruck with a 60 pound rucksack? And then they'd say, uh, I've never gone over five miles, Sergeant, or I've never done this. Oh yeah. And well, we're, like, we're at eight miles, like wrong answer. You say <laughs> as many miles as I have to, to get the mission done every single time you just do it until you're done. And you're going to be told like you're done at some point in time, but you just keep on going as much as you can prepare for the worst. I, I used to do it as a, as part of the phase two selection process when I was being an instructor down there or when I was at the schoolhouse, but I'd make the students count zero for every rep. And it was one to screw, it was one to screw with them. It was everything like zero, zero, zero. And I would just, I would just drop them for that. We would keep count for the number in our head. But I, I did it also as like a thing to, to tell them like, Hey man, you're not, you're not counting till the number you're counting until we're done. And those are two mm -hmm. different things. So don't pay attention to the numbers. Just be in the moment right here and focus on what you're doing because we don't exactly. know how long it's going to last. Peaches will tell stories about, you know, being, being in, in firefights and, you know, John, I'm sure you have, you know, anecdotal stories of, you know, holy cow, uh, it's, it's like six hours later and we're still doing this thing. So, um, that's, that's kind of valuable to be, you know, fix the problem that's in front of you right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and that definitely translates directly to the job. Um, and, and I mean, I, I think about this, one of my deployments in Afghanistan, you know, <laughs> we were, uh, we were going to do a long walk in, but, um, the guy who was playing the routes, like, man, we just got like one hill to get over. Like, I'm only going to, I'm taking one water bottle, throw it in my pocket. We'll be good. <laughs> and man, it was, it was an epic mountain climbing event. And, uh, we used every minute of darkness, <laughs> it was, you know, it was, it was much longer than it was supposed to be. And, you know, guys were hurt and guys were, you know, starting to cramp up and all kinds of stuff. And it's just like, you just never know. Like you cannot, you cannot predict, um, no matter what you're doing, you cannot predict how long it's going to last or, you know, how it's going to go necessarily. And, and even that, like we almost did, you know, a kind of a follow on mission right after that. So it's like, guys, <laughs> you know, you can't get into this mindset of like, yeah, hey, we're just going out for, you know, the classic, like, I'm sure everyone's seen Black Hawk down. Like, yeah, we'll be back in 30 minutes, right? <laughs> what do you, yeah, what are you doing? You're not going to need, you're not going to need that back plate. Not yeah. planning on getting shot in the back. Yeah. Okay. Don't, you don't need Man. MGs. You don't need water. You don't need MGs. Don't bring water. Just bring dope. Just bring your ammo. Well, in, in my experience, that's when you just blame the weather guy for whatever went wrong. And then that's how it works oh, out. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> 
Well, I want to say first off, I'm I'm a little disappointed that you're not like in the emergency room screaming at like nurses. Like it's March E. Like this patient. After you get through March, where's your E? Get this patient out of here. That's just how I envision in my head. You screaming at everybody. Um, but like you, you talked about some of the other options you had out there. Uh, what what would you have done had you not gotten into the Air Force PA program? And you know, like because PJ sets you up for a lot of things. Um, Brian wrote down a question, made a joke about me being a weather guy when I get out. Uh, because, you know, sit in front of a green screen, which I will definitely not do. I shouldn't say that because every time I say I'm definitely not going to do something in life, I, I end up doing it and it's, it's well, humiliating. I wrote that because everyone always says, all right, PJs, you're, you can be a paramedic when you get out. Controls, you could be an ATC or whatever, work in the tower. And then weather, I mean, used to be weather guys. Yeah. You can just... You know, they always said Channel Four News or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know, like Zoom. It must be an it must be an upgrade, but I can actually see visible rage coming from Trent's <laughs> Zoom window, which is that's a great upgrade. You know, that's that's a good one. It's like it's like an aura that's coming off of them. Yeah. <laughs> Cold All right. Blooded. Proceed with your question, Trent. I mean, no, that that was it. Uh, so what, my, okay. what, what were my other options? So, um, yeah, when I thought about it, you know, I thought about like I knew I wanted to do medicine, um, and I thought about you know, I've talked to a lot of people about like trying to go to med school versus PA school and, you know, what do doctors do versus what do PAs do? And, um, if I didn't get in, then, um, I'd also looked at other options. Like, you know, there, there are a ton of guys in the garden reserve who are, um, you know, going to med school, going to PA school, or they're already docs and PAs. So it's like, you get, you get a guy who's a PJ and then you hear about these missions that the garden reserve guys do. <laughs> they have like, a legit like board certified doc who has been, you know, yeah. or, or like a surgical PA who's doing like these, these crazy, you know, intricate sutures on, um, you know, some mission that the garden reserve is going out to do. So I thought about, you know, doing that option. My preference was to stay active duty. Um, and, and then, so I, I guess if I didn't get in, I my sort of my plan B was like, Hey, I've already done the prereqs. Um, I'll just finish out my time as a PJ retire and then, you know, look at going to school and, uh, you know, use my GI bill or, or whatever else is out there to, to go to school. Yeah. And that's, that's actually a perfect segue. So, you know, as we all get kind of close to that retiring time, you know, we're all 18 year plus and, and I know there's some service commitments and stuff that Brian's going to have to pay back for, for being a PA and YouTube. But yeah. so thinking about, thinking about your peer group and, and those guys that, that are getting ready to retire, what are some other options that those guys have explored? I, I mean, I know personally guys have gone on to be A-10 pilots. Some go to the guard. Some get out and do. I, I have a, a friend that I was in Vegas with that now he literally sails around on a boat. Um, and he just kind of lives that sea life and it is the dread pirate chef, as it, as it were. If you want to check him out on, on Instagram, go go uh, check out the dread pirate chef, former PJ <laughs> that tools around. It's awesome. He takes his, his yeah. dog with him everywhere. But um, w- what are some things that you saw people like when they're making that transition after a retirement or after, you know, even after a career, if they're in for, for 12 or 14 years and they decide they want to do something else, what have you seen them do? And, and did their resume as a PJ or their experience, did it did it help them? And, and how did guys leverage that into their next? position their next career yeah um so i'll definitely check that out because that's uh that's my, that's my the next thing i want to do is uh retire and just sail around on the ship and, um oh well hey you got good company hit hit him up right. he's a good dude see if he needs a crew member or something um, you could be mate, the first yeah. you could be the first mate <laughs> it would be great so pj pa first mate you're there and you then can you start can a call fleet your, or something. Yeah. Just call yourself captain Jonathan Courtright. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, that's, that's funny. That is something I thought about, but um, yeah, there are guys doing all kinds of stuff. So like, we're probably talking about the same guy who just finished a 10 school. Um, and uh, I, another, another guy we probably all know uh, is, he should be, he's already switched over basically to the reserves, but he's going to go fly helicopters. And then, you know, like kind of, kind of like we talked about before, like guys kind of find a niche as a PJ and then kind of want to take that to the next level. So like, I know guys who've gotten really into diving and then, you know, they kind of go be like an SME, um, and teach like local law enforcement, how to do search dive and stuff like that. And I got another buddy who, um, has always been, you know, he grew up in Alaska, always been a, you know, mountaineer, talented climber. Um, he retired a couple years ago and he's starting basically a guiding company, 
um, in Utah and, and he's also teaching courses, uh, for guys who are still in, you know, rope rescue courses and that type of thing. And then, um, I got a friend who is a controller who is just kind of always like super smart guy, always into kind of how things work and the tech side of, of anything we were doing. And we, he separated a little bit before I started school and he just finished his, uh, his undergrad his undergrad in uh, mechanical engineering is about to start his master's degree in mechanical engineering. And, um, he's like, he's already got so many job offers cause there are like so many companies that, um, you know, they, they may have technical expertise in, you know, engineering, for example, but they don't have, um, anyone who works for them that has real world experience or has, you know, experience even in the military, much less like special operations. And like it, I saw it a bunch, um, when I was working in North Carolina, when someone like someone's trying to develop some kind of new capability or something like that. And they, they get this great idea on paper and they bring it to you like, Hey man, that's not, that's not even solving a problem that we have. And what you brought <laughs> to us like is not feasible. Like it either weighs 200 pounds and you're, telling me to throw it on my back plus i got all this other stuff or um you know it solves a problem in such a limited scope that it's like it's not even worth worrying about um so he's kind of already tied into that and and i and i know he saw that you know he's he saw that like hey what these guys are really missing is um they don't have someone who can talk the talk the lingo and have that you know engineering background as well as like sort of the common sense that you develop from having an operational career. Um, so there's a big thing, like we've talked about, like guys going to, um, PA school, medical school. Um, there are guys who get out and do something totally different. Like, uh, I got another buddy who's, who's got this whole, like, um, you know, kind of real estate conglomeration with friends that, and, and family members that he's got going on. But, um, yeah, it's all over the map, but I think like to your point about, kind of what traits the the other aspect that I've seen a lot too recently. And, and we have the same peer group of guys who are looking to make that transition is there are tons of, um, of sort of programs out there for helping guys transition. And what, what businesses have seen is that like, I can take a guy who's got, you know, leadership experience, operational experience, problem solving experience, and I can teach him, whatever it is that our industry does, it's very hard to take, you know, a financial analyst or something like that and teach them how to be a leader or teach them how to be like, have grit or, ha or be a problem solver. Like that just doesn't happen. Um, so I've seen that shift, you know, in the last five or 10 years where like companies are starting to figure out. And, and I know of guys who have like been hired by, um, you know, all kinds of different companies that have nothing to do with the military or soft or anything. And, and even like, uh, you know, like financial planning or, um, not like hedge funds exactly, but like that kind of financial market where it's like, Hey man, I don't know anything about, about this stuff. And like, that's fine. We'll teach you what we need is like a go-getter who, um, is going to like not quit <laughs> exact essentially, you know, who's going to like find a solution to a problem. Um, and keep after it. Yeah. So it sounds like all the stuff that you were talking about, and we've been talking about through selection, that same team mentality where most of the guys that are going to go out there, they want a person that's going to be functional, that have that, those leadership qualities, like you're talking about problem solving ability and be able to see a target and then go for that target, not look at the clock all day. Like, is it time for me to go home? You know, work the hourly wage. I think all of us have that mindset. We're like, all right, these are my tasks that I'm going to get done today. And this is what I've planned out for myself. So I'm going to stay here until the job is done. And then I'm going to continue, you know, throughout the next day and, and that kind of stuff. And we plan our, ourself around tasks rather than, um, you know, watching a clock. And that's how it's always been for us in ST. Um, you know, traditionally it's like you get your work done and then you go do whatever else you want to do. That's kind of the mindset that we have towards most of the stuff we do. So I think that is really important to point out, but the experience also, like you're saying, that's what I think got me into PA school more than, you know, my grades. I don't have a perfect immaculate GPA or anything like that. Most of the people had a higher GPA than I did. 
Um, I think C's get just... degrees, homie. What do you call the person <laughs> that graduates last in their class at PA school? First of all, Brian Selva, but second of all, PA. <laughs> exactly. John, you know, he's, he's a valedictorian, obviously. He's way Not more true. intelligent than me. Not true. Uh, <laughs> Not true. Let me, let me just manage those expectations. But, you know, the point is they um, accepted me in there because of my leadership abilities and experience that I've had because I want a person, like you said, that's not just going to talk to a patient like a robot and recite, you know, uh, algorithm to them, but a person that can actually care and have emotions and, um, take care of the patients with, you know, the best to their ability and make the patients feel like they're being taken care of, not just a robot being taken care of. So I think, um, all those things are, are really important to, add to your resume and they'll translate into most of the career fields that you want to do, whether it's sailing around the world or going to be an engineer. I think uh, all those tools are important. Well, one of the things I like to tell people, right, is that we get that question all the time. What am I going to do afterwards? And I'm like, whatever you want, literally like whatever you want to do. It's, it's pretty simple, but you, you, you have all those tools, you have the team time, you have the leadership and the people experience and all that other stuff. Like the, the sky's the limit as far as I can tell. Well, and that's the funny thing too, is it, it's a thing that we don't talk about often and maybe we should, but throughout the course of your military career in NAFSPAC war, we place a high value on developing leaders at lower levels. I don't know how many webinars I've sat in. I don't know how many times a commander has been like, hey, I want to discuss this book or this chapter of this book. Hey, I want to, I want to focus on this reading list. I want to develop you as a leader. Like you're getting all of these tools that sometimes you don't even know. Like Granted, I know exactly uh, how to protect my IT by taking that stupid CBT every year. Like, no, Carol, I don't want to listen to your mixtape. And I'm sorry <laughs> you forgot your badge at the door. But, uh, like, we, you get a whole bunch of extra, like, added stuff that, that you kind of just forget. Because, you know, in the, the, in the development um, mindset, like, absolutely, you get to do whatever it is that you want. Because you get all of those tools and that experience on the back end just, just kind of as an addition to, to doing the job. And, and by the way, I chase that dude that steals my phone. Every single time. I know I'm not supposed to. The, I know. I'll take the negative 25. I know it's only minus 25. I didn't get the trophy for it. I don't care. I'm don't, chasing yeah. him down. Yeah. It's like, no, he could be. I'm like, but I could be dangerous. I'll go get him. Give me my phone back, dude. <laughs> Trent, Trent's like Walter White and in, uh, in, uh, Breaking Bad. <laughs> I am the danger. <laughs> Yeah. I would never want Trent to work in that the- office represented by that CBT. It drives me insane when she asked me about her music or whatever. Dude, and I just hey like, man, I got every this single time, tape. why are you judging me? Yeah. <laughs> like, how do these people get clearance to get in this building that's like super secure anyway? It's, it's confusing. Hey, but, um, <laughs> but let's get back. That's the most, that's the most, like there's all, the only people that are going to fucking know what we're talking about is people like, I'm watching, like I'm taking this dumb IT work with CBT. <laughs> If we, if we could take your career back from the very beginning, was is there anything you would change timeline-wise? Um, you know, uh, maybe not go to Japan first because you're going to end up there later, or is it just you go with the flow? You know, I mean, most PJs, as far as I can tell, are kind of like that surfer mentality: go with the flow, nice and easy. But is is there anything you would change about uh, how it's all played out? Um. Yeah. Good question. I. I, I mean, the short answer is no, but, um, you know, I've, I've thought throughout my career, um, you know, thought about like, well, would it have been better to go, you know, join right out of high school? And then there are tons of opportunities, you know, while you're in to get a degree, like there's, so, I mean, Aaron, like you were saying, there's, you're not only are these kind of like behind the scenes skills that you're developing and just being in the community, like you develop, um, you know, I've, people tell me all the time here, like, Oh, you're, you're good at standing up in front of an, a group of people and briefings. Like, well, I'm yeah, not, do you know how many, like bri- I just had, yeah, do you know do how it. many briefs I've had to do <laughs> yeah. and how, like, and like, <laughs> do you know how many times, like, they're like, Oh, I get so nervous talking in front of people. Uh, do you know how many times my career has literally either been made or broken by my ability to stand in front of somebody and talk? Like, that's just a thing that you're expected to do. Right, right. And, and bred into you also, especially through like team leader upgrades and stuff like that is like selling your mission, right? Like being able to answer the questions, you know, you're going to get and with confidence. I mean, if you get like, Hey, I'm, me and my team want to do this mission, we're capable of doing it. Like, what are you going to do about this contingency? Ooh, yeah. I hadn't thought about, Ooh, uh, <laughs> like you're not going anywhere. Right. So, um, 
Flex on the X is always the right answer to that. <laughs> Listen, man, it's it's Met TC dependent. We're gonna flex on the X. I'll hit you up when we get back to base. Yeah. Briefed. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So you're kind of developing all that stuff along the way, and I. What we? What was the question originally? Sorry, I got off track. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, it was, would, would you do it? Would you do it differently? Would oh, okay. you, would you yeah. go in so any other? Yeah. Do it differently. yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've thought about like, would it have been better to, you know, join right out of high school? And, and honestly, I don't know if I've had the maturity right out of high school to do it. Um, I think it was personally, it was good for me to go, you know, be on my own for a while in a foreign country and figure that out. And it was a huge adjustment. Like, going through training i think my hardest school was basic training just because it was like such a shock of my uh my flight mates i guess uh my fellow airmen i couldn't believe i had a a much higher expectation of um how they were going to be but um (laughs) anyway uh and i was like terrified that I was going to get set back for not folding my socks right and miss my induct start date or something like that i was much more comfortable when it was just like I just had to keep swimming or I had to keep doing push-ups, or I just had to like keep going. That was much easier for me in a lot of ways. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think if I could, especially after, you know, maybe come in earlier and, but I've been really lucky. I mean, like, a, you know, knock on wood, like no, no real injuries to speak of. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, 40 plus, but like, is still feeling pretty good. So, um, not, uh, you know, I don't regret like those six years or whatever that I could have come in earlier and, and how that affected my career. Um, and, and really like if I, if I could looking back, if I could have planned out my career, I feel like I was super lucky. You know, I, I got to, you know, like I said, I got to go to Okinawa. I felt like I got, um, when I was in North Carolina, like my job was, changing every two to three years. And so there was always like a new challenge and there was always kind of a new area to, um, to get into that, that really kept me engaged. And then, um, and it was a tough decision. It was like, like I kind of said earlier, you know, I I tried to look at it as a win-win, but it was like, Hey, there's no, I'm either, you know, the, the flip side of that is like, Hey, I have to give up this job that I really like, or I have to, you know, say goodbye to this opportunity to go to PA school, at least for another few years. Um, so I try, I try to look at it a positive way, like however it works out, like it's, I'm winning. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I could have planned it out any better. And I got in at the, I got in at the last minute. Yeah. I mean, I, I had to like apply for a waiver that I don't think they're even granting anymore. So, um, I took the last, the last ticket. <laughs> yeah. Bus is about to leave. You stopped him on the way out. Um, <laughs> The so one of the things that I've thought about, you know, doing this PA thing, I would have rather gone through induct again because, like you're saying, you know, doing the push ups, doing the yeah, just bonding with the team and that kind of stuff. Like, you have friends for life in that kind of situation, where as you know, PA school is kind of different, it's just strung out over such a long period of time, and you're just constantly staring at a TV screen or a, a computer screen or whatever, and you're just trying to read and listen and you're not doing all the the same thing so it's kind of polar opposite of where we came from so do you think uh overall um the opportunity is there for like the same amount of satisfaction or you know do you see kind of um yourself just always missing the career that you had um well i think i definitely i miss it already right like um and and uh like we, I don't think about it a whole lot, you know, like you, like you were saying, you, you kind of like your head's either stuck in a book and you're just kind of like, you're the grind, you know, your head's in whatever, whatever the saying is like your head's at the gr- grindstone. You're at the grindstone, uh, grindstone. Analogy. No, nose of the grindstone. Nose, you're nose to the, the streets. Thanks. Nose of the grindstone. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big saying guy. So, you know, if you can't stand the heat, uh, then a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Yeah. So. Exactly. I was going to say get out the wild wild west, but whatever. <laughs> um, anyway, you're kind of you're kind of focused on like, especially you know when we were in San Antonio, like you've got there's always a test a couple of days away, so like there 
there wasn't a whole lot of time to think about it, but like every once in a while, like we were watching some skydiving video yesterday or something like that. I was like, man, that was a lot of fun. Um, and I miss it. But, uh, I think as far as job satisfaction goes, it'll be different. Like, like you said, Brian, it's a different community. And, um, but one of the, the things that I took away from my prior PJ job and then the job now that like big satisfying thing for me is just helping people. And, you know, whether it's in the ER or in clinic or something like that, where you, you explain something to them so that they're, you know, a lot of people freak out about, a pretty minor symptom so you can kind of like explain that it's you know this is normal or it's not a big deal or you can offer them some treatment that's going to help them or um or even when you're delivering you know difficult news uh in a in a good way then that can be helpful for people so i think that part is going to be really satisfying and i think that is one of the things that i was thinking about when i was thinking about making this switch um and you know maybe blessing and a curse, but like, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have that many patients as a PJ. So, um, I, uh, yeah, that was one of the things that I, it, like I said, blessing and a curse, like it's, uh, one of the things about the job is like, um, and I know you guys have talked about this before on the podcast about, you know, your, your dream mission is someone's worst day. Right. So, um, like, yeah, you're getting to help somebody, but it's either one of your buddies or it's a fellow American who needs help, which is, you know, not good, um, and can be hard to deal with. But, um, so I think that part of it is, is really satisfying. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I, I definitely connect with it. Like I, I agree with everything you're saying, obviously, because you know, that, you know, we're obviously in the same sort of, uh, ilk of, Hey, I, I'm always looking for that next mission, but that when you kind of make that realization, like that's somebody else's most terrible day, like that, that always changes it a little bit for me. So we, we always ask kind of at the end, um, for anybody that we have on and especially from you with, with all of your experience, with everything that you've seen in your career. So if you had just, you know, one or two, maybe nuggets of wisdom, something that you would put out there to the people listening that are getting ready to come in this, come in this career field. Is there, is there any advice that you would give somebody trying to get into special warfare. What would you say to that young guy or gal that's, that's trying to get ready for assessment and selection right now, and then hopefully have a long career afterwards? Yeah. So, um, I think to, to narrow it down is like prepare and commit, right? So like, if you're already listening to the podcast and you're, you're doing some of the programming, um, like you're already on the right track, right? So, and and I know the guys that you've seen, Brian, who have, who've done your program and have been successful, um, you know, at selection and that, and that type of thing. Cause they're, um, cause it's, you're not going to be ready for everything, right? There's going to be surprises. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be stuff that you haven't seen before. And that's part of the point. But, um, when I was preparing, like the only information out there was like guys talking about getting shin splints and, um, stress fractures and stuff like that. So I was like, well, I'm not going to get an overuse injury. So I just made sure that I was running and putting a lot of miles in and, and that type of thing. So that if I was, you know, it wasn't going to be something like that, that was going to pull me out of the program as far as, you know, as far as I could help it. Um, and then like we kind of talked about before, like committing to it and, and, you know, in the air force and probably outside of the air force too, but I'm sure you've seen it, Brian, like you run into some guy like, Oh yeah, you were a PJ. Yeah. I was, I was going to do that. Or, um, or yeah, I was, I was an induct for a while, but you know, I decided I'd rather be a med tech or whatever it is. Um, whatever their story is like, just commit, just commit to doing it. Like if you want to do it, then do it. And it's, and it's a, it's a hard decision. It's a big decision. Um, it was hard for me to make to like, you know, sign up and commit myself. But once I did, then that was it. There was, um, there wasn't like, Oh, let me try this for a while and, and see what it's like. And, um, I think a lot of guys, like when I went through training, um, you know, I, I didn't know any PJs. I didn't know what to expect. There weren't really like any videos out. Um, but you know, guys get there and like, man, I just didn't think it was going to be this hard. I didn't think it was going to suck this much. I didn't think I was, it was going to be this tiring. Like, I don't, I don't know what you expected, but, um, yeah, it's going to be, (laughs) um, so just, you know, sign up for it and do it. You know, um, it's easy to say, but 
I think like you guys talked about uh, on past podcasts that I've watched, like it's mindset, right? Um, so, and then kind of like when I was the, the big advice that, that I had going in um, from what was out there on the internet, I guess was like the grad standards are out there or they were um, and just be at that when you start, like make that your goal. Um, and the guys that, uh, you know, are physically fine, successful are usually guys who are kind of at that standard when they start. It's that, I mean, there, there are a ton of stories and I got tons of buddies who were like, yeah, I had no idea. I was, I joined to be a, a whatever, a cop or whatever. And then I got this recruiting brief. I was like, Oh, that sounds cool. I'll try that. I didn't know how to swim. I didn't. Can only do that three pull-ups. Damn, <laughs> that damn Superman song on that cool guy video got me at basic training. I every can't time. believe it. Every single if I go crazy, well uh, you can call me Superman. And then just dudes, dudes that's, jumping that's out of a plane. <laughs> thank, thank goodness. Yes. Yes. I, I would say I would say we have to worry about copyright, but number one, it was terrible and it sounds like a parody. And number two, three doors down is currently playing Mike's tire center in Arizona. So I don't think they're gonna I don't think they listen on the podcast yeah um they're gonna get their money out of you if they can though if they're working mike's tire show <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> yeah but I, I think everything you talked about like and, and the reason we do this is um like it, it's worth it right and one of the once you get through when you get into the career i think one of the, the big takeaways is how amazing the community is and the opportunity that we get to work with every day those guys that pushed through all that stuff, that pushed through the inducts and the selections, got out there on team and, and made it through everything. And uh, when you're listening to this, you may not know, but this is a, uh, we're, we're recording this over Memorial Day weekend. And so when we, you know, this is the weekend where we sit back and we think about all the heroes that we had the privilege to serve with uh, that never came home. So I uh, just wanted to mention that. But to me, that's that's the greatest part about this community is, is being able uh, to serve with uh, the people that we're able to serve with. Uh, the people that are always out there looking for more, and um, sometimes they don't, they don't come home. So I just want to take a moment to put that out there. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I mean, everybody has friends and um, you know guys they've been on team with, guys they've you know been through the pipeline with, and that kind of thing. That unfortunately, you know, for their families and everything, pay the ultimate sacrifice. And yeah, like you said, yep. Trent, it's. I mean, think about those guys every day, but especially Memorial Day, like whatever, whatever you do, um, you know, there's like memorial workouts and, you know, going to visit graves in Arlington and that kind of thing. Like, um, yeah, it's just, it's important to remember and, and carry those guys' names on. Yeah. I, my, uh, my Murph tomorrow will be for old Peter Sally Cranes. So Peter Cranes, man, Let's, last one this year. So I'm actually Happy wearing, uh, my Indoc shirt right now. This is Major Brian Adrian right here, and from from the old Indoc. But yeah, whatever you guys, uh, however you guys like to memorialize the people that uh, you've known throughout your career, because you even have, I'm sure, family members and stuff like that for all you guys. And if you don't, then you know, pay your respects to those people that have paid the ultimate sacrifices. You know, we are able to still live each day and you know go out there and actually earn each breath. You know, and it's as kind of cliche as it sounds we are here and we're able to uh proceed with our goals and continue like john was saying you know go through the selections um experience life go through the challenges and all those things um and we got to do it for those people that aren't able to do it anymore and continue the legacy of not only just the career fields but their their memory and the way that they've impacted a life so we'll carry um their memories on for uh, forever so i appreciate you uh coming on any parting shots or anything you got john no it was, i appreciate the opportunity and um yeah it's good to if nothing else hang out with you guys virtually and um <laughs> tell some funny stories but um i mean i i appreciate it and like if you guys if you get follow-up questions or or something i can answer and don't hesitate uh Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Can't, can't say enough how much we, uh, we appreciate your time. Congratulations. I, I know you guys are at the end of the pipeline for the, for the PA thing. So can't wait to see what you do there, but, um, yeah, mad respect, not so much to Brian, Brian sort of just muddled <laughs> through it, but especially you, you really did really, really well. Uh, all right. So 
thanks again <laughs> for <laughs> for all you guys for listening to the podcast um like i said go ahead and like subscribe um leave us a comment out there on the apple podcast five star review we really appreciate it um go check out the store um onesradio.com we got some new shirts in those gray man shirts and then also for the grad standards like john was talking about those are at bpj.com you can look up those make sure you're training to the highest standard that you can possibly attain before you can get into the pipeline within your time window you know make it happen and put in the work like john was talking about you have to have that preparation aspect and then you have to be dedicated to the thing that you're going to do so prepare burn the boats and then, you know, no looking back. Once you get accepted and you know, like this is your course in life, um, this is your next step, your next chapter, whatever it is, whether or not you have family, get them prepared and get them ready to go along for the ride because it's going to be rough. And those things that you do that are, that are not difficult, you know, you can go not knocking anybody that, that works at Walmart or works at whatever store, but those things are not as difficult to get into. And it's for the most part, less rewarding for those people. You go to a difficult course, you go and be a PJ or go to the 724th STG, you go to PA school, all those kind of things. Those are things that you can look back on and people are going to be like, wow, those are really impressive things that you can put on your resume. And whenever you get out and you do whatever the next thing is in your life, you're built up this whole a big resume that shows that you have a proven record of you're going to make sure that the job is done and you're going to be successful at whatever endeavors you end up achieving in life. And I think that we derive a lot of that. It starts from the preparation that we put into preparing for selection. And then it continues throughout our career because like Aaron was talking about, we all have different challenges, whether it's, you know, public speaking or jump master or whatever comes up. There's always something that is going to be that next challenge you're focusing on in life. So take it one bite at a time. You know, they always say, how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. Same thing here. Um, you can look at all these things that, that John has done in his career. And you're like, wow, that is amazing. That seems unattainable. But, you know, he's like he said, he went with the flow. He learned Japanese. He went through all these. Uh, he learned how to fold his underwear. Yeah. He made it through that he challenge. Made, that like, was, hey, man. Like if you look at a guy like, you know, every, every single guy in the air force, every single like silver star medal of honor winner, guess what they had to do first. They had to fold their underwear in six inch squares and be evaluated on that. So got to start somewhere. <laughs> uh, yeah. So close, take each this close to basic training honor grad. <laughs> it was 6.1 <laughs> inches is a little bit out of regs. It wasn't as tight as the last guy. Um, yeah, so take every challenge as it comes, and then when when it hits you, you de- you're dedicated 100% and make it happen. And you continue to do that throughout the rest of your life, and I think that's the culture that is instilled in us through the career fields and the people that we've been around for the, the better part of two decades. So, again, John, I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, talking to all these people. If you guys have any questions for John, you can hit us up at info at once ready, and then we'll send them over to John's email. Um, so, and again, you guys got that info about the 724th. Don't focus on it right now. Focus on what you have in front of you, just like all the rest of the challenges that are going to come up in your life. All right. So I appreciate you guys listening again. Um, check out the next episode. It's going to be awesome. And then, uh, make sure you go out there and earn each breath. All right. Later. All right. Later. Thanks. Later. Thanks guys.